All right. Tonight we'll be looking at chapter 7. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray before we jump in. Father, we find it very easy to seek after food and fill our bellies. I pray that we would be just as diligent and desiring to feed on your word, to seek after you, to grow in holiness. Lord, strengthen us so that we would be effective followers of Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful as you are faithful and to bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. All right, chapter 7, page 113. Anyone have anything that jumped out to them on this first page of the chapter? Depend, yes. That is all throughout the chapter showing uh, the aspect of this part of the prayer and, and others that it is an act of dependence. I never thought about it like he says in that the last sentence in the first paragraph. Unlike other earthly creatures, speaking of a human baby, he can't even come to his mother. She has to come to him. And I'm just thinking how much that parallels our relationship with God. All right, next page, 114 or 115. Jonathan, I know you got something. Okay. Yeah, this, my inclination is to uh, guess that there there wasn't there might not have been a lot of great depth in this chapter but a lot of great reminders a um, little bit of different perspective here and there all revolving around the fact that as Bruce said we need to be dependent on him and what that looks like and what this uh, example phrase should represent in our prayers. I underline the, the last part of that last sentence in that first paragraph. We are dependent on God to guard us from the circumstances in our lives that can hurt our spiritual walks. I heard in another, in a message, I don't remember if it was this morning or yesterday, but he was talking about how Satan works in this world. And it was an interesting thought I'd never considered before, but it re I was reminded of it going through this chapter again this morning, or this afternoon. And what he said basically was, the way Satan works primarily in this world is through religious systems. 
and not to say that that's the, the limit, but he was pointing out how that seems to be where he has the greatest impact. He creates all these false religions, and he distracts people, and he leads them away. You do that well enough, <laughs> you affect the majority of people out there. So I just thought that that was interesting, coming back to this idea that we are fully dependent. He needs to come to us so that we can truly be fed and understand, and he, we need him to take care of us, to give us discernment so that we do not uh, go astray, and we need to continue to come back to him as we are able. Anything else on 114 or 115? Yeah, it's, it's not something that we should take for granted or abuse, but it is quite wonderful that he gets glory when we sin because he's forgiving us and he's working in us despite us. And we should be thankful, but be careful that we don't take that for granted. Pastor. Yeah, the quote by Martin Lloyd Jones. Well, yeah, and he, he makes a point near the end of the chapter that it's interesting that in the first request for us, it's addressing our physical needs, not the spiritual. And so, yeah, just thinking about, you know, do we jump to the conclusion because that is a first priority because if we're not alive, like as he says here, if we're not alive, we can't live and praise God. Um, think there might be something to that not that our flesh super our, our physical needs supersede our spiritual needs obviously but in regards to um, can't think of a, a way to express it well I, yes obviously yeah, 
But I mean, I guess just, uh, yeah, I can't even think of how to phrase it. It's vital, right? Our, our spiritual, if, if we're not well enough physically, and you know, whether that's uh, having enough food, whether that's uh, being uh, well enough uh, to not be hindered by illness, both, you know, from a physical a disease or even from a mental illness. You know, I, I don't think it's the only reason, but seeing the, the interview with Devin and her brother last week or week before, whatever that was, thinking about him and, you know, people with similar uh, struggles, how can they glorify God if they can't even talk? And so, I'm sure, I know in the, in the heavenly realms, there's, um, there's surely a way, but nothing that a human could necessarily see when there's no way of communication. And I can't say nothing, but extremely limited. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, I, I can think of a, a few examples that I won't go into that's where people were able to observe things and praise God when the person wasn't able to communicate on their own. I'm just thinking more, if you can't do that, it's much more difficult, near impossible for some, to be able to, uh, to do something that people recognize is God's work. All right. Uh, page 115, anything? Anything else? Okay. okay.
yeah, th those are the three areas that address our needs. While I wouldn't say it is a sin to pray the words of the prayer as Jesus shared them, I would say that I don't think that was the point. I think this is to give us an idea as to the different things to pray for. So I appreciate it when people have memorized the prayer, but if that's the way it's prayed all the time, I would question if uh, the genuineness, because if we're saying the same things all the time, we can fall in that rut and just end up saying the words. I know I catch myself all the time. I'll be praying and I'll slip into, and a lot of times this is when I'm tired, uh, I'll slip into saying some phrases that I normally say and I gotta stop and say, Lord, forgive me, let me, uh, let me refocus here, you know? So I think he wants us to talk to him, not just to uh, repeat something that is written, Again, not saying that we can't ever, because that can be done legitimately. I think that there, are, you know, reading Psalm 51 when you're when you're broken by your sin, or other psalms when you're in similar circumstances, can be very helpful. I just know with this prayer in particular, most people simply quote it as they memorized it, and that's it. And I don't know that that is the best way to approach it. Yes. Ever heard it sung? I think so. Sure. All right. Page 116, bread and our physical needs. Pastor? You look like you're waiting for Jonathan to see if he's going to raise his hand, and, and then you were going to go. <laughs> for Trent? <laughs> okay.
so, yeah, when I first read it, thinking, all right, is my first thought was, okay, is, is Martin Luther taking a leap, an unwarranted leap? And so then I started thinking about where this is positioned in the prayer, and my conclusion at this point is I don't think it is as simple as just bread because while that is probably the main thing that they ate at that point, it seems like because there's no other request for anything else in that manner, that there is at least a hint of give me what I need physically. So again, how do we define that? We define that differently in America than they do, as he says, in China and in uh, in uh, uh, Africa and you know different countries around the world, different places around the world. So we would define that need differently depending on where we live. But I think the point is for us to recognize that God has promised to give us what we need and to pray in that way. And I did like that how he said, um, you know, everything above what we need. And I, I struggle with, with, I, with classifying things. Um, I wouldn't say everything that we have above what we need is a blessing. I would say God gives us more than we need in this country, more than many other places around the world. And most of those things are to our hindrance. So it's, it's difficult for me to say, you know, straight down the line, anything that we have above the, what we need is a blessing. Yeah. Sure. So if we go back to what I believe the purpose of prayer is, and that is to change us, to conform us, to be more like him, if we are praying all those things before and hitting those ideas and, you know, God is holy, I am sinful, I have needs, and he's the one that will provide them, and I know that he has provided for all my needs in the past, he has promised to provide for all of my needs, 
and I'm going to trust him and thank him for what he's done and what he's going to do. And so I guess that's the idea, right? We're conditioning our minds to ask for what we need so that hopefully we can better recognize those things and realize those other things that maybe we prayed for in the past because we didn't consider, we didn't see things as we should, we can see them for what they are as luxuries or distractions and begin to make decisions accordingly. So, yeah, I, I think it's, I think with every aspect, the reason I like this book so much is because it takes something that, you know, a good portion of those who call themselves Christians have memorized and it it causes you to examine why those words, why that phrase, why in this order, and you know, while this isn't as deep as some of the other chapters, again, I think it's it's a good a good exercise to consider what does this mean? What what was God's what was Jesus' intention in in directing us to pray this specifically, or at least in this way. So I think it's great to, to consider all these things. Um, I don't know that I would classify it as important. I would say necessity. So each one of us has a necessity for shelter, for food, for water, after a certain period of time without, right? Each one of us has other needs that are going to vary based on our age, based on our family situation, based on, you know, where we live, our occupation. There are going to be variances. So I would say the idea, because it's so beautiful. He says, give us this day our daily bread. To me, that's specific to help us recognize today. Give me today what I need today. Tomorrow, give me what I need tomorrow. Help me to focus on today. So I think there's a very... Um, specific points to get us to realize that and to consider that. Just like with the, the Jews in the wilderness. He said, I'm going to give you enough for today. Do not store up anything. And I think that that principle is in this that he's telling us, don't worry about tomorrow. I think he's told us that before. Focus on today. Serve me today. Trust me today. Consider your needs today. Don't even think about tomorrow. So I think, yeah, I, I think that's one of the main aspects of this. Focus on our needs for today. And I think as we pray, again, as we consider all of these phrases all of these things when we put them together, 
goes back to our dependence on him, understanding who he is, understanding who we are, our relationship with him, and what we need to do to grow in that relationship. And we need food. We need shelter. And, you know, there are these basic needs. And if we can focus on those things, I think we're less likely to get distracted by everything else. Or at least that's the, the goal. That's the journey that we're on. But I, I, I appreciate, so he says on 116, what would be completely understandable, a completely understandable request by Christians in many African or Asian countries seems irrelevant to a well-fed American. Then over on 117, almost directly across, he says, although we may not always be on the edge of hunger, we can always be thankful for everything God provides and avoid uh, being presumptuous. So I think even in this, that we have more than we need in most cases, it can be a reminder to be thankful and it can be a reminder to pray for our brothers and sisters who maybe don't. I mean, we, I, I won't speak for all of you, but I know I, I take his grace for granted way too often. All right, anything on 117? Yeah, and again, I think we have to be careful not to be presumptuous in identifying what we think those needs are without considering uh, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. So I believe there is a responsibility on our own part. Trust him, yes, but seek him believing that he's going to uh, supply all of our needs. And yeah, he, he's promised to take care of us, but that's going to look different for everybody because if you're a Christian in a country where Christianity is illegal, you might die for your faith. Would we then say God didn't provide for their need? Absolutely not. To a certain extent, I would envy them. I mean, not that we any of us wants to go through the pain of dying, but at the same time, if I could choose the way I'd die, I'd say dying for my faith would be the best way to go. Better than getting hit by a drunk. 
<laughs> Die at a buffet. <laughs> yeah, that probably wouldn't be a great testimony. <laughs> not to go too far on the Baptist road, you know. Gluttony is not a sign of sainthood in the Baptist church. All right, uh, let's go over to 118 and 119. Yeah, I do think that there is a, a built-in thankfulness when we consider he has provided for our needs in so many ways. And I'm sure all of us have some type of story, if we've been saved long enough, where, you know, it's we would probably describe his provision as miraculous, whether it's our salvation or whether it's, you know, money coming in at a certain time, like George Mueller, or, you know, just things that we needed, God answering us in amazing ways. Top of 119, that top paragraph, he says, Never presuming on the grace of God's provisions and thanking him for his daily kindness in meeting your physical needs fulfills the spirit of the petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Realizing that God alone is the source of those provisions gives him glory. thanking the pagan gods for right yeah and I think that should be that should be something that causes us to pause and say alright when I am able to pay my mortgage, when I am able to make sure that my family has enough food, when I am able to uh, even do things that I go on a vacation, whatever, am I saying, thank you, job, thank you, boss, thank you, my talents, or are we saying, thank you, Lord? You didn't raise your hand. No. <laughs>
sure we can all think of times where you know you're just able to save some money and then something happens to your car and you know the initial response is oh, I was just able to save it and then somebody put me in check one time and said don't you realize God provided that so that you would have it when you need it so stop complaining and thank him so yeah yeah absolutely huh yeah and I mean if we're if we're saying oh Murphy's law we don't have the right view of God All right, anything else on 119? All right, 120 or 121. The unrighteous need not apply. So how many people have uh, mastered the art of when you get a paycheck realizing that every dollar is God's and you are a steward? <laughs> how many people are still working on that? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's hard. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was listening to a message recently, and they were talking about the widow, and you know the widow's mite story parable, and they said the widow's mite parable is not about her giving her last two cents. It is about her giving when she had didn't have much. It's not an instruction for us to give everything so that we have nothing. It's an instruction to remind us to give and not be selfish. And I think I heard somebody say um, in regards to this, because we are not given a specific amount, a percentage that we are to give. The, the phrase somebody told me was, if it doesn't hurt, or they said, give till it hurts. Because if it doesn't hurt, there's no sacrifice. If there's no sacrifice, then what profit is there spiritually? So, I think that's, if we think that way, 
we'll be better off than if we don't, but I'm not going to prescribe that as the only way to give. But I think that the, it's a great principle to realize that everything that we have, he gave us. And if we're not willing to sacrifice to give back to him, what does that say about either A, our faith, or B, our devotion? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it's at least a, an opportunity to question our devotion and generosity or, you know yeah if we're if we're stingy with God I don't know that we realize that it I, I still remember this one of the first messages or series of messages you preached on you said everything that we have is on loan from God and we don't always think about it like that Alright. <laughs> well, you're the first person I heard say it that way, so I'll give you credit. At least for memorizing it. Uh, I thought that was interesting, and I guess I didn't... I haven't been to India, and I haven't thought about this, uh, but just within the last couple months, I saw a documentary that was talking about the same thing, how it says cows are held espe uh, especially sacred because supposedly they're incarnated deities. And yeah, these numbers are pretty much what the documentary said between the cows, the rats, and um, mice. Huh. Yeah, they're, yeah. Be between all the, the vermin, essentially, it, they eat 40% of the food that India grows. And I don't remember the exact percentage. I want to say it was either a third or more of the people are starving. They had, um, the documentary said, they have enough food to feed their country, everybody in it, more than they need, and they, they named another country that they would be able to feed as well but because the animals eat so much, they starve, the people starve. So definitely a high price to pay for a, a pagan nation, yeah. All right, last two pages, 122, 123. Yeah, and even the paragraph before, you know, 
this gets to the heart of the, the issue. Without a proper view of God, there cannot exist a proper view of man. Those who have the right perspective of God also have a right relationship to him through Jesus Christ, who promised us the provisions of our Heavenly Father. So, all of this should be leading to us having that proper understanding, this, the proper view of who he is, who we are, partly based on his creation, but partly based on our sin, and realizing we are that infant that can't even go to their parents, number one, and we are always in need. It seems like, you know, from a, using the analogy, we always, we're always hungry, we always have a dirty diaper, we're always tired, we are a handful. It's a good thing we have a, a good, omnipotent, omnipresent God to take care of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if that is, you know, trying not to assume the worst. I imagine that the the easy believism message probably started with good intentions. In that while our lives are not free from trials by any stretch, there is so much that we can see that is good, that is extraordinary because of God saving us, whether it be the peace or the joy or the hope or the contentment. These things that are impossible to find, you can get glimpses of them, but you can't get them apart from knowing Christ. And so, obviously, I don't believe in, you know, oh, just say a prayer and you'll, your life will get so much better, right? But to a certain extent, I can imagine somebody, a new Christian, being like, wow, this is so amazing, and this telling everybody how great their life is. I just said a prayer and so, anyways, you know, you, you, you're, you're missing some important facts along the way in that message, but I can see how when we are 
considering how great our salvation is, we can almost be, um, we can almost forget the challenges. And again, not making an excuse for it, just wondering if maybe it started with good intentions. All right, last thing. I'm going to read this last paragraph. One day at a time. In the in it, or sorry, it is this day that we ask God to supply our needs. We are to rely on the Lord one day at a time, to accept the Lord's provision for the present day, without concern for our needs or welfare tomorrow. It is a testimony of our contentment in His goodness and faithfulness. Prayer focuses on God as the one who supplies. It acknowledges that he is the source of all our physical needs, and it teaches us to live one day at a time in the confidence that he will meet those needs. Let's pray. Father, you have shown yourself faithful so often. You are a great God that can do all things, everything that we need, and you are a good God in that you desire to take care of us, to draw us closer to you, to make us more like you, to share your greatness with us, to allow us to understand and even experience things that it's impossible to understand apart from the work of your Spirit. Lord, I pray that more and more you would be changing and molding our minds so that we think about you in the right way, so that we come to you trusting, loving, and desiring to obey you more and more. Teach us, Lord, to seek you and trust you day by day for all of our needs. Us, Father, to give you the glory that you deserve, not just once a day, but all throughout. You are the Lord God Almighty. May we live in a way that reflects that.